This is Dead Letter Radio. I'm your host, Taze, and this is episode two. It's a podcast focused on all of you, your writing, short stories, original poetry, unset letters, to give us a shared view of all our individual parts and lives, whether fiction or nonfiction. It's a great way to have a platform and to share your work, and at the end, we'll get into how you can submit your own. To begin, though, I'd like to start off with this quote from one of our submitters this week. My poems are like the messages between two people separated not just by or since lockdown. However, to live in such an unsecure, scary situation, being forced to slow down, lets them suddenly approach each other, makes them hold tight and stick together, facing hard times as a team. They grow and change, starting to see and experience the other in a totally new way. It is a kind of living together at a safe social distance. But yet slowly, moderately, something deep and solid is evolving. Now that quote is from our first submitter by the name of Marianne Burnt. And you can actually find her on other social media too, especially Twitter, I believe, at Marianne Burnt, B-E-R-N-D-T. And she actually wrote this poem, among others, for a collection called The Lockdown Poetry, which was inspired by lovers separated by the pandemic, and as you in that quote, other circumstances, but it started trending on Twitter due to people being trapped in their home country and not be able to visit um, their significant others. So this one, to start off, since this podcast is aiming to be on Sundays, it's fittingly titled Sunday Morning. A through and through positive emptiness. No crowds in our heads. Everything is just feeling. At home. Quiet. Inner peace. My hands with yours in the game. Silent joy. Lost in your eyes, mirror of my soul. Satisfaction in our smile. Humor in the crumbs in your beard. All masks stored. Tucked away just behind the rising steam from the coffee mugs. Safety. Alone. Together. Love. Warmth, devotion, unconditionally, our day, happiness, perfection, fulfillment. Just be me here, you at the other end of the world. Thank you, Marianne, for that great submission. As I said in the outset with your quote, a lot of people have gone through trying circumstances, and maybe in some ways we didn't expect, as if you have a significant other in another country, I imagine with all the travel restrictions, it definitely can mean that you haven't seen them in person for a long time. I know for at least my area in America, it's been since March. Um, So that can definitely, you know, as a year, almost a year comes around, that's a long time to be apart from someone you care about. And people, I know people have family in other countries that haven't been able to visit either. So thank you once again, Marianne, for uh, writing that piece and uh, sharing and being inspired by what's going on and writing something beautiful because you can still uh, still stay connected, though, with those you're separated with. Next one is by M.L. Waldman, and he's part of the Austin Poets Union. You can find them at ATX Poets on Twitter. Once again, they submitted previously. It is a uh, collective of poets in the Austin, Texas area. This is another one of their members. It is titled, Everything is a Library. I'm in the third grade, and everything is a library. Mrs. Griswold is a haggard, old piece of gristle, and she hates everything. I am reading about dinosaurs and Greek mythology. It is summer, 
and I am in school as part of some educational experiment. The dinosaurs, they speak to me. They say, I too was unwanted in this world, but look how glorious I was. Greek mythology, she speaks to me. She says, here is something too magnificent to be believed. Here is something holy fallen into disrepair. And Mrs. Griswold can only scowl in reproach as I indulge wonders she long ago denied. Thank you, M.L. Woldman, for such a great piece. I This one reminds me of a being a kid myself. I mean, it's, it's a great time, and especially an experience of all the wonders of the world, where when you're learning about something and you really dig into something you really care about, it might almost seem frivolous to the adult mind in some cases to be so obsessed with certain topics, especially as a child. But as you said, um, it's glorious or you know, something wholly fallen in disrespair. It's unbelievable. It's imaginative and it draws you in. Each month or so in elementary school, we would uh, choose a topic to research and share. And I did numerous things like Egyptian mythology and uh, chemistry and all these other things. And another kid that I knew did dinosaurs each month on just a different dinosaur. But it just goes to show you how um, researching and all that was just a highlight. I don't know, as a child. The next piece is a haiku titled Spring by C.S.T. Spring Magnolias, the crescendo for pollen, a bee's love affair. Thank you, C.S.T. These first few pieces I chose, are I kind of picked them out because Sunday, for whatever reason, reminds me of spring, one of my favorite seasons. Because um, they just, I don't know, it's such a nostalgic day of the week for me, and and then the feeling of spring and warmth, so I really appreciate this one. As once again, I'm hoping um, to get to spring in the sense of how we just keep ticking away. I'm not dying. <laughs> but I am looking forward to once we get out of the colder weather. This next piece is by Tommy Barrett, titled Seasons of Reflection. If my thoughts are mine so deeply, then why can I see them in patterns within bark? In the color of the striking autumn tree, whose spotted leaves fade vividly from green to orange, sometimes disjointed, trembling before shedding, falling to trace surprising paths. Once, northern whirlwind breeds cracking twisted twigs who lay lamely forgotten. It hurt to let go. From wood to dust, they will soften. Scarred is the bark that lurched to nourish slow growth. These stretch marks mark seasons of anecdote. Yes, I feed me. Yes, then I consume me. Sap of sin and delight. Tender skin beneath rigid shells of what was once within me. It is viscous what saves me. It is vicious what compels me. Untrained to hold fast, yet rooted I stand still. And I wait, or I lie, until brittle bends to light for outstretched cells to multiply. I am indebted to their universal right. It happens at night first. Holding breath until morning, and although I was certain, sparkled frost would eventually stop. Spring breeze invariably circles, and always earlier than I thought. Relief. From catatonic beauty, the dusting snow of paused life, quiet strife, blooms hidden, potentiality, alive. 
thank you so much, Tommy, for this great piece. They actually, when they wrote this piece, they had, uh, I want to quote what they said afterwards. This poem is a self-reflection of myself through a year, as described through a metaphor of a tree changing through the seasons. So once again, Tommy, I definitely appreciate it. If you don't live in an area with four seasons, it's it's nice to see the change, the growth, and, you know, quote-unquote death uh, of a season when winter comes, but then it rebirths again. And in a lot of ways, we go through that too. You can liken maybe if you're going through a hard time, you're in the winter, but you know that spring will eventually come. By Al, you can find them on Instagram, Anabands14, and that is with a Z, B-A-N-Z. This piece that I'm about to read is titled, Home is Where the Heart Is. You are beautiful, and you are worth all the wonderful things life has to offer. You are beautiful, and though you can't see, everyone around believes you deserve to be free. Everyone in the room recognizes your energy and the way you move about so you radiate a soft soul and a vibrant light. And yet no one can see how you fight at night for the last speck of hope, for the ease you crave, for somebody to grab the rope and be your saving grace. You hide behind a mask, failing to grasp the fact that you can save yourself, that the beauty you show is enough to heal your own soul. You are enough, and the light you shine outwards into the world can be directed into your own whole. You are not lost, and the desires you carry will someday be your own. It's never too late to be your own home. Thank you, Al, for such a beautiful piece. I reason I wanted to choose this one. I mean, the beginning of this episode of the podcast started off, as I said, in kind of, a, for me, a nostalgic, happy feeling. And obviously, I want everyone to listen to feel good, too. But sometimes we need a pick-me-up. I mean, I think we've all have been there. And sometimes we need to be reminded that we are all beautiful in our own ways. I don't mean physically, but as being a human being. Uh, we all have worth. And sometimes we do need to be reminded of that. And... One of the biggest goals, at least I know for myself, is to be comfortable to in your own skin. To be comfortable in your quote-unquote, your own home. You know, wherever you go, you will always be with yourself. And so to have love for yourself and grow strength from that, um, that believing that you can also have the ability to help yourself in a lot of cases, I think is something to learn from. So thank you, Al, once again for that piece. By Marilita, and you can find them at MariaLou14 on Twitter. It's titled, Year In, Year Out. Last year we were dreaming about travels, about love, about happiness prolonged. This year we dream of living the next day. Life comes, life goes, and we keep dreaming like our souls won't ever fade away. Thank you, Marilita, for this piece, I, I, what I've done a lot and have always done is been big into daydreaming. And uh, one of my good friends would always say I'm a dreamer. But I think that is, you know, one of the beautiful aspects of life. To always dream about something and not out of greed or selfish gain, but to have always some kind of hope for the future. Whether it's, a, you know, 
traveling, finding love, happiness, but also of maybe things that are immediate. If you're going through a hard time, maybe just make it to the next day. Um, or maybe something that might seem more frivolous, like, hey, I want pancakes the next morning. But I think that those moments where you can hope and dream about what you want your future to be, that is one of the more freeing aspects of life. And I think it's something that you shouldn't ignore. So thank you, Marilisa, for pointing that out, at least in my eyes. So we're coming up to a piece that I chose because it is another case of something that I haven't heard specifically written about, um, but also maybe something that I don't give as much thought about as I feel like I should. And this is a piece by Anna, and I'll just give a go into a little bit. It's written uh, for one of her best friends that uh, has inspired them. We'll start there and then we can go into uh, what it actually means. Everyone has that thing, the one that makes them different, that makes their life uniquely hard. He has an especially difficult one that makes him pass by every try of food and arrive at every dinner party with cooler in hand. Worse yet, it gives him a burden, a burden everyone else hardly sees, the burden of knowing his life is at risk every day. I don't know how he handles it, the constant worry that something will happen and his very survival will be out of his hands. It could happen to anyone, but for him, it's a daily reality. It's unalterable and will last as long as his life does. I've heard others say his lifestyle is restrictive. I've heard them make it a reason to complain, but he never does. One would think he hardly remembers the ways he's limited, the risk of doing what he must to stay alive. I think it's because there are not limits to him. He finds his way amid this many circumstances of his life, knowing he's right where he's supposed to be, and embraces courage because it's the way to survive. And when I think about that, I feel inspired to do the same too. Thank you, Anna, for that piece. So a quote from Anna, we discussed a little bit on um, Instagram. And a quote that I want to take from our conversation is where they say, it's about one of the, my best friends who lives with multiple food allergies, including several outside the top eight food allergies, which means that they aren't listed on the label. I am forever inspired by his courage, and because of him, I am passionate about advocating for those with food allergies so that they can live safe and healthy lives. Hats off to you, Anna, obviously, for um, now getting motivated from your experiences with him. But also, your friend, you know, is an inspiration, and since you're by his courage, and it sounds like from this poem, it's not something he lets get him down as well. By yours, 10589, you can find them on Instagram. This is titled, You Have No Reason to Cry. I bought some wine yesterday. Decisions aren't my strong suit, but the man staring at me in the aisle seemed like he approved. His eyes wrung me out like a towel that had been used, but his heart was still so dry. You have no reason to cry. I talked to my mom today. Bridges aren't my strong suit. She told me I bought the wrong kind of wine, but I still drank the whole bottle. I knew that she would ask me why. You have no reason to cry. I won't be doing any work tomorrow. Revisions aren't my strong suit. 
I'm hungover from getting older, but my mind is sharper than before. Constantly fighting a retired war, I'll get myself so high, you have no reason to cry. My boyfriend loved me yesterday, today, and every day after. Somebody texted me to say they missed my indelible laughter. I wish that they could see the way my smile carries on after. But is it just alright to say that right now I don't want to answer? The hours passed, but minutes last. The silence will tear me apart. How do I only live in breath smiles from my heart? And truthfully, there's nothing wrong. But sometimes, I still want to die. I'll stare at myself in the mirror. You have no reason to cry. Thank you, yours, for submitting such a gut-wrenching piece. In the sense that depression is something that so many people have to face. I mean... I myself uh, have depression. I know others who do too. And, you know, for even for no reason whatsoever, you could feel sad or despondent, unresponsive, drained, or just numb to the things around you. Uh, your emotions feel dulled, at least for, I'm just talking from my own personal experience of things that you can feel. And I think at times we have to remind ourselves that, I mean, other people might view it like, oh, why are you crying? Why are you sad? But I think at times we have to remind ourselves of that, that because of this thing we have, you know, you might not be a reason to cry, but you shouldn't be ashamed of it. You shouldn't be embarrassed of it. Um, it's something that you're struggling with, and those moments will happen. And once again, if you're suffering from severe depression or any kind of mental illness or if you're just having a really rough time reach out to somebody that can help you uh, lean on somebody don't have to face it on your own especially with everything that's going on now so thank you uh, yours for submitting that piece i wanted to include it too because even as i said it's a little bit of a darker piece in one sense but there's always something positive you can get out of it coming to the end of the podcast we're now going to feature a good friend of mine by the name of Charlie Turner. He submitted a short story, but you can also find him with his website at uh, charliescut.com, uh, where he does uh, entertainment news and reviews. He also uh, does a lot of writing as well. So he, I reached out to him, and he submitted this short story uh, to me. It is titled, A Grocer's List. Three Dozen Eggs. Ollie stands in the middle of the mess with a cigarette behind his ear. Our father, the deli manager, is across the store flirting with some young woman with dirty blonde hair. A regular customer. I guess they didn't hear the crash. Move fast, I tell Ollie. He grabs an old floor mop and begins pushing the goop into a dustpan. It sticks to the tiled floor, so he uses his boot to kick it. Then he picks it up by the handful. He makes five... Maybe six trips to the witty spin behind the counter while I watch. When he steps in front of me, I snag the coffin nail. You'll be here a while. I'll smoke this for you. Six pounds of honey ham. The package is from Peppy Pig's Farms, and our customers prefer it over every other meat that we sell. My father slices it thinly. He orders me to carve into the giant cylinder of provolone that has just arrived. In my arms, it weighs as much as a newborn, maybe more. I cradle it to the slicing station. 
The man who ordered the cheese is wearing a denim jacket and has a belly that droops over a bullhorn belt buckle. He asks if he can try a piece, and I say no. My father looks at me, his jaw tight, his eyes wide. The muscles in his cheeks puff in and out, in and out. And during this moment of distraction, I hear his machine begin to grind. It's shrill, brain-rattling, the audible equivalent of a snake bite. It's the noise the slicer makes when liquid hits the blade, and this liquid is dark red. Nine stitches. Ollie drives us home from the ER, and I sit in the back and watch the elms fly by. We had to close the deli early, and I think my father is more upset about that than he is about the tip of his thumb no longer being attached to his hand. For a moment, our eyes meet in the rear view. He stares at me, not blinking, not crying, not anything. He doesn't have to speak because his anger is strong enough to turn the August air cold. He's angry at me for not caring about the business, angry at Ollie for dropping a total of 48 eggs on the ground over the past week, angry at himself for believing that one day his sons would take over the deli. When his hands become too arthritic to run the machines, to cut the meat, he wants us to eagerly welcome the business into our lives and allow it to live on for another 20, 30, or 40 years. That's a dream, Ollie once told him. You know we don't want this place. But the old man keeps trying. Tonight, instead of taking the easy way out and firing us, he'll sit us down and say the same thing that he always has. Something's got to change, boys. I don't know what, but something. Thank you, Charlie, for such a great short story. Looking at the story structure itself, though, because um, you guys can't obviously see what I see and don't have that uh, layout in front of you, the three paragraphs... Uh, each one, well, first one starts with three dozen eggs, second six pounds of honey ham, last one nine stitches. It's just a nice visual effect, nice organization and compounding effect from that I really enjoyed. But, I mean, who doesn't contend with their parents' expectations of them and what the parent wants versus what the child wants? Um, and if it's not a parent, it could be a peer, it could be your job, it could be whatever. In that sense, we all kind of contend with that in our own ways. And so it's just... A very human experience where in this story at the very least no one is inherently the bad guy or wrong um, but it still creates that clash of struggle of just opposing desires so thank you once again Charlie for submitting that and that's it we have come to the end of the second episode of Dead Letter Radio thank you everyone for taking the time out of your days to listen and also thank you so much for everyone who has submitted uh, their work I know sometimes it can be really nerve-wracking to do so. That's why um, I appreciate it and why I started this podcast. So you can do it with your name attached, with a, a social media handle, or just leave it anonymously. Along with that, if you would like to submit something yourself, reach out to me on Twitter at DeadLetterCast, that's C-A-S-T, on Twitter. And that way you can follow me or give me a DM or just reach out to me. And then we can... Um, discuss a little bit further about how to go about you submitting a piece. And if you enjoy this podcast, enjoy some of the things that you listen to today, uh, leave a review. It lets me know I'm doing something somewhat right. And if there's a piece here that you really have enjoyed, uh, let me know too which uh, which piece that was. Or if if the person that wrote it has a social media handle, 
that I read out to you today, reach out to them and let them know that you heard their poetry, letter, or whatever on this podcast and you really enjoyed it. Once again, this is Dead Letter Radio. I'm your host, Taze, and I'm wishing all of you safe travels.